Welcome to a very refreshing hour of how tech impacts business talk. This is Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in whatever industry they're in. See how both the Young Turks and the established incumbents can now play the role of industry disruptors. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed, Bonnie in the house. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, well, you know you're in the right place because this is where the best run. What a great show we have for you today. I have a very interesting quote. You know, I always start with what's the buzz on the street or what's the buzz around the world. Well, I have a quote from a gentleman named Questlove. Anybody who watches the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show, you know who Questlove is. He's the drummer for the Roots Band. He wrote a book called Creative Quest. What a creative title. And here, by the way, his full name is Amir Khalib Thompson, young man born in 1971. I get to say he's a young man. He's the drummer and front man for The Roots. Here's the quote. Collaborations work best this way, when there's a mutual desire to see what the other side adds. You know that what you're making on your own has value, but the sum is more than the parts and every part knows it. Okay, let's just let that sink in for here for a second. We've got the very important word collaboration. Everybody talks about it in business, but I love the way the quote says, you all have to be aware, you all have to understand your own value and what you get by adding value together. So let's look at what we're talking about today. If you look back into your English language, Eng- English uh, literature studies from school, whatever era you went to school in, there's an English poet named John Donne, D-O-N-N-E, who wrote in the 17th century. As a matter of fact, this particular quote, very, very famous. There's songs written about it. 1623 was the date. He said, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. Now, if we take that out of man or woman and we move that up to companies, to organizations, to enterprises, to business, to industry, as a matter of fact, there's even a hashtag, hashtag no man is an island today. So if you think about this in terms of your company, collaborating with other businesses, your company is not an island. You're part of an ecosystem, whether you know it or not. Collaborating with other businesses can help your organization do a lot of interesting things. You could come up with unique innovations you couldn't do on your own. You can define new markets to grow into that you might not have been aware of. You can differentiate differentiate your company from the pack in ways you didn't dream of and you can bring new products to market and have newfound success. Our panel of experts will share their B2B collaboration experiences and why they believe collaborative innovation, and that's our topic. Collaborative innovation will be at the heart of the business of the future. So welcome, welcome, welcome to our panelists. Uh, we apparently are missing one guest. I'm giving my engineer the number here in the chat window so he can call our second guest. And I'm just going to introduce my three guests and have the two who are on the line with us talk about what they do at their company. So first up in a moment, it's our pleasure to welcome a newcomer, Mark Haberland, H-A-B-E-R-L-A-N-D, if you're looking him up. His company is Clariba, C-L-A-R-I-B-A. We also have on the line Surendra Reddy, R-E-D-D-Y, at Quantiply. He's been on before, and we're delighted to have him back. And we're waiting to connect with Camila Dahlin at SAP. So while we're waiting for, for Camila, Mark Haberland, welcome. And please introduce yourself so our audience around the world knows who you are. Hi, Bonnie and everyone on the on the radio today. 
so I'm uh, Mark Harbeland. I'm the founder and CEO of a big data analytics uh, consultancy in Europe and the Middle East. And uh, for the past 20 years, our main focus has been around data, building analytics um, for primarily large enterprise customers uh, in Spain, in Europe, and also in the Middle East in countries like UAE, Qatar, Oman, Saudi, and, and others. And what we've been noticing in the last five years uh, with this whole topic of digital transformation is that our customer requirements were changing. And uh, they wanted to uh, move from standard reports and dashboards and traditional data warehousing to solutions, which actually write back into the systems uh, that uh, have potentially some algorithms that allow for better decision-making, etc. So today, the company um, works on not only the analytics uh, and uh, corporate performance management, but we're also building completely new uh, business models, uh, new enterprise mobile-enabled platforms uh, to, that, that require co-innovation with customers. To give you just mm-hmm. a couple of examples, we're working yeah. with a metro operator in, in the Middle East uh, to build a lost-and-found application or the ability to order uniforms. We're working with a company that creates radars, and what we're trying to do is integrate the data from the radars, the sensors, uh, Department of Motor Vehicle Information to create an integrated solution that would give the police the ability to look at where are hazard zones in the area. Uh, another example, and we'll probably hear more of that later, is uh, around football. We're building a complete end-to-end football sports performance platform. So things have become a lot more exciting uh, for us in the last few years, and I enjoy the, uh, the journey with uh, the more than 100 employees that uh, work uh, with me. Uh, from over 26 nations to bring uh, co-innovation together with customers uh, to life. Thank you very much, Mark. We love the the true stories. We love the in the trenches from people who are really doing it. That's why we've invited you on the panel, and we're very, very happy to meet you. Thank you. And now we have Camila Dahlin, our second panelist. Camila, welcome to Game Changers. We'd love to have you. You're on with me a couple times in previous years. Camila, please introduce yourself to our listeners. What do you do, and what does this topic mean to you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be on. So I am uh, the Global Vice President of Solution Partners at SAP, and that is a role I absolutely love. I get to work with companies every day across the globe that innovate with SAP technology. So we've seen lots of, we have over a a thousand partners in this, way over a thousand partners actually in this uh, program, and they do great things. They help SAP um, achieve our vision of um, making the world a better place. And, uh, yeah, so this topic is very near and dear to my heart because I love the topic of collaboration, not only with other companies, which is part of my, my job, but also collaborating just in general with other people. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this topic with you today. Thank you very much, Camilla. Let me just ask you a quick question before we introduce Surendra Reddy, who's our third panelist. Camilla, do you think that it's a buzzword that a lot of people don't really take seriously in terms of, yeah, we're collaborative, but they don't really sit down, share ideas, open to new topics, new avenues, new channels, new, uh, yeah, well, maybe we can see your point of view. Well, let's add our, do you think that, that people really understand how to do it? And that's what we're going to talk about on the show today. What's your, your thought there? Are we observing a collaborative? Buzzstorm versus a lot of collaboration that's really happening. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right there. I think people don't take full advantage of what it actually means to collaborate. I think, you know, um, just using a collaboration tool doesn't mean you're collaborating. So I think there's a whole lot more to it and a whole lot more value that companies can gain from, from doing that. Thank you very much. Always looking for a reality mm-hmm. check. You know how I work, Camila. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And now we're bringing on a gentleman who understands collaboration from a startup point of view, Surendra Reddy at Quantiply. Surendra, welcome back. We're so happy to have you on the show today. Please tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since you were on last. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for having me here. And I'm Surendra Reddy, founder and CEO of Quantiply. What Quantiply does Actually, what we do is we wanted to fight financial crimes like money laundering, drug trafficking, human trafficking, and whatnot using advanced technologies like artificial intelligence and intelligent process automation. And we actually, you know, our life, basically, you know, what is in our DNA is the creativity, innovation, and collaboration. We cannot work without these three elements. You know, we work with the banks. We work with the regulators. We work with our partners like SAP and others to co-create things to actually disrupt the current way of doing things. If you look at the current landscape of anti-money laundering solutions, it's pretty mundane rule-based systems. Banks spend up to 40% of their bank run costs to keep up with the compliance. We, collaborating together with our partners, we're trying to disrupt this landscape by enabling banks to do more with less using intelligent process automation. Thank you very much, Surendra. I know you have a very interesting point of view to share with us, and we're delighted to have you back. Now, all of my panelists have sent me a very interesting opening quote that I asked them to find from a book, a movie, a song that on the surface has absolutely nothing to do with our topic. And in their own words, they're going to poetically or creatively or philosophically tell us what the quote has to do with our topic. And again, if you're just tuning in, welcome. This is the Future of Business with Game Changers Radio. And I must do a shout out to uh, three people at SAP who have helped make this happen. Erica Lal Hakar has been wonderful setting up the show as well as uh, we have April Caldwell as well. And the sponsor is Shannon Platts at SAP. So thank you to the three of them for helping put this together. So let's go around the table. Mark Haberland at Caliriba has sent me a quote from Thomas Carlyle. He lived from 1795 to 1881, a Scottish philosopher, satirical writer. I love that in his bio. Essayist, translator, historian, mathematician, and teacher. Mark, if you ever look back at people in the 16th century, 17th, 18th century, when their bios trickle down or bubble up to us here in the year 2019, almost 2020, they had so many descriptors of what they did. Today we just say, he's a business person or, you know, she's a, a, a social media guru. We don't have 12 different things that we do. I love the way they are. So here is a Absolutely. quote that apparently comes from Thomas Carlyle. He was one of the important social commentators of his time. And think about this, 1795 to 1881 we didn't have the internet. We didn't have Twitter. We, but he was a social commentator, so he lectured. Aha! He actually talked to people in person. Here is the quote. No pressure, no diamonds. Mark Haberlin, please tell us how this relates to our topic. All right, Bonnie. So uh, when I grew up, I didn't have internet, and uh, this quote was always used by my father. So uh, I, <laughs> he would uh, he would say this quite often to remind me that you know you can really only get what you want if you work hard towards it and if you you know if you put the right dedication to it. Um, now obviously now today I know that this uh, supposedly comes from Thomas Carlyle, 
But I think it applies quite well because, you know, if you think about the world that we live in today with all the rapid change, um, the disruption that's happening in technology, um, you know, climate change and other things that need to be addressed, um, business leaders uh, have an opportunity, but at the same time, they also know that they have to change. And uh, the old ways of doing things are not going to work. Um, we need to develop new business models, new platforms, and, and that means that uh, we have to change. And, uh, you know, we have millennials coming into the workforce, uh, sorry, millennials in the workforce, Gen mm-hmm. Z coming now. Um, so a lot of changes are happening. And to be able to generate these new ideas, these new business models, uh, we have to change our ways. We have to, uh, we have to collaborate. We have to develop new ecosystems, uh, go beyond the ecosystems we know today. So to me, uh, the pressure is good. Um, it, it's necessary. Uh, if if we want to still have diamonds uh, in the future. Thank you very much, Mark. I was looking at this from a humorous point of view. I hope you'll all forgive me for this. and thinking if a, if a girl is about to get engaged or anybody's about to engage that somebody doesn't have the ring, they say, no pressure, no diamonds. I'll still marry you. I'm sorry. I, I had to look at it from the cultural point of view. I love the quote, by the way. And, yes, there is some discussion about whether it really came from Thomas Carlyle, but there are a lot of memes. There are a lot of Pinterest banners, t-shirts that say this. I think it's a great quote. Mark, thank you so much. Camila Dallin, we're moving around the table one seat to you. And you've come up with a quote that you're really going to have to tell me how this relates to our topic. It's from Deborah Lloyd. Now, the Deborah Lloyd I found online, Camila, when I was looking up the origin, is the former chief creative officer at Kate Spade. I hope I have the right one. Is that the right source? Yes? That is, yes. That is. Okay. Uh, She is known for her role on the Fashion Fund, during which she served as Chief Creative Officer, as we said, for Kate Spade until recently, I know. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up. This is a beautiful quote from Camille, and she's going to tell us what it means. Travel sparks our imagination, feeds our curiosity, and reminds us how much we all have in common. Camila, talk to me. How does this work with collaboration? So I chose this quote because I'm from New York. We just wrapped up Fashion Week in New York, and Mm -hmm. I thought it would be appropriate to quote somebody from the fashion industry. Um, And also, I think that experiencing new things that we do when we travel, culture, scenery, and meeting new people opens our minds. It expands our horizons and gives us a new perspective and in the process we realize the world is much bigger than whatever it is we're focusing on in in our world and uh, it spawns creativity. Um, At the same time, we realize how much we have in common with other people that do totally different things and are living in places where we are not. So um, on the topic today, how that relates is viewing things through other people's perspective, through different lenses opens us up to, and that is what it means to collaborate, it opens us up to innovation. So we're able to hear other things, see other things, and, and we really need that. And that is taking better advantage of what it means to collaborate. So it's not just collaborating with the people in the same room, but collaborate with people that are, you know, in, in uh, totally different areas of the company, for example, or in totally mm-hmm. different types of companies. I also think... Um, Fashion and art have a lot in common with technology. You have to be innovative and creative in both of those um, fields. And so I like to kind of look at what they do there sometimes, and, uh, and I see a lot of similarities. 
Thank you very much. I like that expansive view you're taking through the quote, Camila. The idea you said different parts of the company. Is this, I, I think it's called intrapreneurship when somebody inside a company comes up with an idea that may not be in their job description, may not be in what their group or their business unit does. Is that part of that thought process or, or what you're talking about? That creativity that yeah, just bubbles and I up? I think we'll talk about that. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, you know, other um, areas within a company, so spending some time there, I think that helps you when you go back to the area you were from. It also helps the wherever place you're, you're in for a, for a few months. It also helps, and I think we'll talk about it more during the show today, work small companies, working with large companies, etc. So all this kind of exchange between companies and departments that on the surface may not have a whole lot in common um, actually helps on creativity. Thank, thank you. And Camilla, disruptor, disruptor used to be a dirty word in the company. Oh, Bob over there is a disruptor. We got to we gotta give him a couple of warnings and HR is going to tell him, hey, Bob, you don't be quiet and do your job. We're going to get rid of you. And now it's, wow, Bob over there is a disruptor. Maybe he has some great ideas. Maybe we can collaborate <laughs> with Bob and innovate and come up with, isn't that right? It's cha- The culture has yeah. changed. Yeah, exactly. It's all about how you do it, I guess, yeah. (laughs) That's right. Lucky Bob. Today you can stay in your job and maybe you'll be a hero in the company. Thank you, Camilla. Love the quote and thank you for opening me up to to the uh, wisdom of Deborah Lloyd. I appreciate that. And Surrender Ready at Quantiplia sent us a quote from Theodore Levitt, 1925 to 2006, American economist and a professor at the Harvard Business School. He was editor of the Harvard Business Review, and he increased the review circulation and popularized the term, here we go, globalization, which we all use, just trips off the tongue now. So here is the quote Surrender has selected from Professor Levitt. Quote, creativity is thinking up new things. Innovation is doing new things. Surendra, I couldn't think of a better quote. Talk to me. How did you find this one? I'm a big fan of all his books, actually. He is the guru of marketing, and, uh, you know, he's the one who invented the word globalization. And he has written numerous HBR articles about how to actually create an enterprise. You know, there's a lot of interesting thought processes came in in the early 70s and 80s of his writings. And uh, this is one of my popular quotations from his books. You know, creativity is the fuel of the innovation. Innovation is the fuel of collaboration. Collaboration is the source for co-creation. I think that's what we call it in our startup cycle. You know, we need to always, it's a continuous circle of innovation. It starts with creativity, goes into the circle, comes back, and it actually fuels your growth pattern too. So that's what inspired me to use this as part of a, you know, guiding principle in our company formation to, you know, scaling up. Very, very interesting. So the question is, you could just say about it, you could just think about it, you could just talk about it, but before you actually do it, you haven't really done the deed of getting innovation out. Uh, do you think most companies just are, let me go around the table and start with Surrender just quickly. Surrender, do you think companies are saying, oh, yeah, we have great ideas. This is good. Maybe next quarter. Maybe next year. Okay, we don't have the budget to set up an incubation unit to explore this. We don't have the, the anything in our planning for the next oh, three to six months to actually put something in action and try it out or maybe do a survey of our customers or do social media research on whether the market's ready for this. We'll just put it on the back burner and say, look at how creative we are. 
Do you think a lot of companies put off the actual doing which defines being innovative, Surendra? What's your, your observation? You're coming from the startup point of view, I know, but just quickly, what do you think about that? Then we'll ask Mark and we'll ask Camilla. Yeah, you nailed it, Bonnie. Actually, every company, I have actually 50 things actually we don't want to hear from anybody. I think you, you mentioned most of them in that. Okay. So now I used to run the innovation lab at Xerox Park, which is actually a center for the innovation. We work with the global enterprises across the globe. Every time we brought up new ideas, you know, 10 years back, I remember we were talking about disrupting the document sharing world. Oh, this is too early for us. You know, we're not ready yet. It's not going to work. We tried it before. There's so many of these oxymoronic statements come from the great innovators, right? When Steve Jobs walked into Xerox Park and look at all the technology and fascinated by it and created Apple out of it, or three come out of Park, there are, there are very few people actually see the opportunity for, you know, this creativity, innovation, triangle, I call it, right? Creativity, innovation, and collaboration triangle come to the fruition. But more often, you know, you are very true. You know, more than 80 to 85% of the people I heard saying that, you know, hey, put it on the back burner. We'll come back later. We don't have the budgets. And we tried it several times. You know, it is not a disruptive idea. You know, what's so great about it? What is the differentiator? You know, how do you defend it? All these questions, we spend a lot of time wasting our, you know, our, our cycles of creativity and innovation. I can't agree more with, you know, your question itself has a lot of answers in it. Thank you very much. I'm glad I nailed it for you. Thank you. Surendra, you know me on the radio. I just, it's just free association. It's whatever comes to mind. But from talking to so many people, you and I've talked to Camilla before and Mark is new, of course, just, just thinking about what the business case might be that it's not going to get done. Mark Haberlin, what's your thought? What's holding companies back? How, how often do great ideas, creativity get pushed aside for later? What do you observe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I second Surendra's uh, point of view here as well. But uh, I think that, you know, the challenge that we all face is we have the daily pressures in our business, you know, whether it's cash flow or quarterly numbers, whatever it might be. And and there are amazing ideas. The challenge is that sometimes we don't make the time to actually take them to, through the test um, and, you know, block block the time, stop the train uh, of doing, you know, potentially what's comfortable and, and not asking the question, you know, should we do something differently? Um, and and then these ideas they just uh, they get they get lost uh, they get lost and, and uh, we don't move forward with them. Uh, naturally, of course, we also find that from our side, you know, I I get to hear a lot of ideas, great ideas, uh, a lot of times from outside. And uh, the challenge is then, well, you know, how do you eat that elephant? And and it's really something that you have to do number one piece by piece, as we know. And and you never actually approach this this topic because it's potentially some something that opens up a big can of worms of different tasks, activities, and and thoughts that you have to put together to actually get started. So I, those are the the two challenges that I see that sometimes happen. In, at least in thank our, you, our Mark. Good insights, Camilla. Weigh in on this, please. What do you think? Back burner, lazy, too busy, not sure, indecisive, leadership not willing to to spark the creative, the energy to back a new idea. What's your observation? Why is it not happening? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tough thing. I think I don't think you'd find any companies that say they don't want to innovate or invest in that. I think it's a matter of. Um, having the resources and kind of you don't really know for sure what return you're going to get by mm-hmm. allowing resources and a lot of times they're expensive resources spend time on the topic of innovation because that's a lot of 
test and trial and, um, you know, you may get a good idea, you may not. So I think it's easy to shift that and focus on what you absolutely have to do because customers need this now and it's what's here and now and it's in front of us. And if we don't do this, then, you know, we're going to lose, lose this business or that business. So it's, it's, it takes um, risk and, and uh, uh, maturity to be able to say, no, I'm actually going to prioritize what it means to innovate. So, again, I don't think it's, it's any company um, purposefully deciding not to focus on it. I think it's just a, sometimes a hard thing to do because there's, you know, if you spend time doing that on the unknown, then you're not spending time on something that you absolutely need to do that's urgent. Thank you very much. Good reality check for my panelists. I appreciate your your honesty and forthcoming about this. It sounds so good on paper, but it's not easy to do and not easy to back. But the point of this show is that there's a big payoff if you can do it and do it well. We're just going to very quickly go around the table, 30 seconds each panelist. No pressure, Mark Carolyn, and find out, number one, where in the world are you today? And number two, what's your favorite drink, your beverage that you absolutely love that either relaxes you or powers you or inspires you? Mark Haberland at Clariba, you're up first. All right. Thanks, Bonnie. So I'm calling you in uh, from uh, Dubai. Uh, in the UAE. And my favorite drink, and as I look outside right now, it's getting dark, uh, so if you may, it's not going to be coffee, it's going to be a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And that wine typically would come from probably the Priorat, uh, which is about 100 kilometers south of Barcelona, where I used to live uh, for 14 years. Uh, beautiful red wine uh, that goes well with uh, some home-cooked food. Wonderful. Sounds good. We'll all be over for a home-cooked dinner after the show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark, for the the invitation. We appreciate it. Right, Camila? We're all heading to Mark's for dinner. (laughs) Camila Dolan, where are you today? And what do you love to drink, Camila? So I uh, actually have never had this before, but I'm in Las Vegas right now, so I feel like I should be having a Bloody Mary or (laughs) but I'm not. (laughs) Um, I am three hours behind you, so I'm having a large cup of coffee. Anything special about and that, that is coffee? My favorite drink. Is it is Sorry? the coffee is the coffee high? I, what we used to call high test. I mean, straight up, loaded with caffeine, nothing in it. Or do you have any additives that you love to add to your coffee? No, I just take it very strong and black, and uh, it is my favorite drink, actually. So. Thank you very much. Good to know. And Surrender Ready at Quantify, where are you today in the world, and what's your favorite drink? I am calling in from San Jose, and uh, my favorite drink right now is a cup of water. But I do enjoy a nice uh, red wine. I'm a winemaker, too, so mm. always I'd like to make a good wine and enjoy a good glass of wine with a good pairing of food. Thank you very much. Good to know. Yes, I think I remember that from the last time. In case you're all wondering, I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show day. Surrender and Camilla may remember that from last time. All I have is water. That's all they let me have. Uh, no caffeine. I'm here. I relocated. Camilla, since I speak to you, spoke to you last a couple of years ago, I've relocated from Long Island, New York. Yes, I'm a New Yorker born and bred to Durham, North Carolina. It's very different down here, very different culture. But in the community where I live right now, we have a lot of transplants or expats from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Massachusetts. So 
a lot of that Northeast culture is down here, and it's uh, it's interesting to watch us all acclimate to the South with 101-degree average daily temperatures for the past three months. Now we're down to about 89, so it's very balmy. I'm just going to leave that one alone. The garden really suffered this summer. So we're talking about the future of business, collaborative innovation. Does your company know how to do it well? Are you putting ideas on the back burner? Are you valuing disruptors inside your company, outside your company? Are you talking to startups or are startups like Surrender Ready's company, Quantify, knocking on your door and saying, hey, let's sit down together. Let's break bread or let's share a cup of good coffee and let's talk about X, Y, Z. Are you saying, nah, not this time, not this quarter? Are you saying, yes, let's share what value each of us can bring to the table and see what we can do even better with the whole being bigger than the parts that come together. So that's what we're talking about today. We're going to take a quick break, just 90 seconds, and give my three wonderful panelists a chance to have a drink of something to refresh them. As we say, wet your whistle, we have Mark Haberlin de Clariba. Delighted to welcome Mark. He's a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. And returning guest, Camila Dahlen. If you're looking her up, her last name is D-A-H-L-E-N at S-A-P and Surendra ready at Quantiply. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to still be me after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. From our pioneering ERP software to industry-leading new technology offerings like Leonardo and the SAP Cloud Platform, SAP Innovation goes beyond software. We're developing breakthrough technologies that shape IT and business trends. SAP is committed to helping every customer become a best-run business. Future of Business with Game Changers brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn about the critical role transformative technology is playing in shaping the solutions both today and for the future. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Future of Business with Game Changers. Thank you very much. I just have to do a correction on that promo. It said bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. It's now bonnie.d.gram at voiceamerica.com. That's right. That's where you're going to find me if you have any comments or just go to, if you're listening, go to listener comments and there's a, a form or there's a button you could click to reach me. And I'd appreciate your comments. And if you have anything you'd like to suggest for future Game Changers radio shows, we'd love to hear from you. We're here today talking about collaborative innovation. How do you get together? 
together with people you might not have gotten together with in the past and come up with new ideas and make them happen. Creativity is the idea. Making it happen is the innovation, to be very, very clear. Special guest today, Mark Haberlin at Clariba, Camila Dahlin at SAP, and Sorendra Reddy at Quantiply. We're going to kick off the roundtable formally right now with some statements that Mark Haberlin sent me before the show. Very interesting comments coming up, so everybody listen up. You might want to take notes. Mark says, the development of innovative and transformative solutions goes beyond the existing supplier-customer relationship. And he's going to talk about the word football and the country Qatar, or Qatar, depending on how you prefer to say it, Q-A-T-A-R, about a recent project his company did. Mark, why don't you tell us more, please? Absolutely. Thanks, Bonnie. So uh, a couple of years ago, we got involved with uh, Aspire Academy, uh, which is one of the leading football academies in, in the state of Qatar. And um, if you remember before, we were talking about how we moved from reports and dashboards to complete solutions. So this is one of those examples where we have built sort of a 360-degree view of everything you need to know about a football player, uh, the performance on the pitch, uh, the performance during the training, their medical information, their test and training data, etc., and so we've had to work together with multiple different departments beyond uh, collaborating beyond what we've ever done before. Based on the success of that uh, implementation, uh, which is now used by over 400 players in uh, Qatar, and as you may know, Qatar 2022 will be the next FIFA World Cup, we also uh, became the technology partner for the Italian national football team. They have the, the male uh, football team and 16 other uh, teams as part of uh, FGC. And so when in the past our conversation with customers was more or less a, a two-way conversation, we now find ourselves not only working with each individual department of the entire uh, organization that deals with football performance, but we're also dealing uh, with different uh, enterprises, primarily in the startup space actually, that are providing the video capabilities the sensors, uh, we're working with a professor that is coming out with a new heart monitoring solution. Uh, we're also internally having to bring in new UI, UX uh, designers, whether we keep them internal as employees or external. And, and this is bringing a completely new way of collaboration uh, between our teams, uh, the customer, and, of course, their external vendors. Now, that's not so easy uh, mm-hmm. because... Uh, some of the vendors that we're dealing with, for example, um, they, while they know they should be sharing the data, they're not quite open. They're worried that we might take over their business. They're worried that they might go away mm-hmm. and that we might replace their solution. We also have to define new contracts. We have the internal resistance of why are we working with external companies when we could do this uh, internally. But we've overcome all these things, and now we're building a complete end-to-end solution uh, that will also in Italy be running with uh, 400 plus uh, professional players, about 40 coaches, and and so this is an amazing experience of, of collaboration uh, with multiple different vendors. I think we have about 12 vendors, including our customer, and then of course uh, our internal team that is is building this solution. And uh, we're now expanding on the solution. We call this Act in Football, but we're also working on other solutions that we've built in for utilities and, and, uh, and so forth. So uh, it, this is a great uh, experience, um, a big challenge for us, um, but I think it's building for us the, the future of, of what uh, our company is able to do, uh, not only in football but in other 
in other industries. Thank you, Mark. Wonderful case study. Camilla, please comment. A lot of interesting things Mark just brought up. What's your thought? Yeah, so within the program that I'm involved with, the Solution Partner Program, we have an initiative that we call Customer to Partner. And I think that relates to some of the points that Mark was making. Um, We look at customers not just as a customer, but, you know, a lot of our customers are doing great and innovative things with our technology to support their business. And we're realizing that that could add value to other customers that are in the same industry, in a similar industry, or have just a similar perspective on a particular line of business. So we're exploring that and we're having those kinds of conversations with our customers. And in the process, they're actually becoming our partner as well. So um, I do see a different type of relationship that we're starting to have with our customers as compared to the past. So not this kind of two-way conversation with just the supplier and customer, but our customers actually speaking to a broader audience of other customers. Thank you very much. Good topic. Surendra, please join us. You can talk about it from the startup point of view, I know, which is where you're coming from. So what do you think about what Mark shared with us? Surendra, ready? I think Mark brought up a pretty interesting point about data sharing. Right? If you go back to the digital transformation, data is the you know nucleus of digital transformation. So most of the customers we do work with, too, I know there has a big concern about the data sharing. Without the data, there's no algorithms. Without algorithms, there's no automation. Without automation, there's no transformation, right? So it's kind of a vicious circle goes into the loop. And only one thing that enables us to really collaborate or, you know, co-create with the customers is through the design thinking process. You know, you need to really open up and share with them, you know, transparency, or you call it a glass box of innovation. You show them exactly what goes inside your innovation missionary so that they can see how you would use the data so they'd be feel more comfortable to share their data and other stuff with you to co-create together. So that's actually we're seeing, you know, kind of uh, the data sharing is a kind of innovation stumbling block right now. The customers and suppliers need to open up and share things in the context of this co-creation and innovation. Otherwise, there's no meaning for all these buzzwords we're throwing around, like collaboration, co-creation, or innovation, or creativity. Very good points. Mark, anything you want to comment back to your collaborators here on the panel? Yeah, I really like the the comment uh, that uh, Camilla made uh, on, you know, customers then, uh, our customers becoming potential partners to then resell solutions. That's definitely something that we're seeing. And uh, Surendra's point of, you know, data sharing, I think this will require a a new way of of collaboration and making it easier for for people to do that without, you know, them feeling that they're losing control. And and maybe we'll come back to that when we uh, later in the show. Thank you very much. Camila, let's go to some of your statements here. I'm looking, uh, I don't know if we've covered this or not. Camila, let me read the first one you said. I thought it was interesting. You say, mature companies innovate better. They take risks again. I want you to explain that. Reach decisions faster, develop new solutions more quickly, attract better customers and hires by collaborating with startups. Camille, any case studies on this, or, or is this from your experience working in, with next-gen companies at SAP? I'm going to say both, <laughs> the answer Good. to that. Um, yeah. So uh, some of this is I recently read a book called Unleashing the Innovators by Jim Stengel, and it's very interesting. And it talks about 
the uh, mature companies, and by that I would say a company like SAP working with startups, and they do have some studies in there um, that, you know, one of, the, one of the things they talk about, they, they talk about lessons learned, you know, why should mature companies work with startups, what are some things that we can gain from each other, and what are some lessons learned. Um, some of it is, is unexpected. Um, you know, larger companies, for the majority of them, they partner with startups to foster innovation. And smaller companies, startups, they like to partner with larger companies because they understand that best practices a little bit better. They get access to resources and sometimes potentially funding. Um, but there's also additional value to be had in that the corporate culture evolves. And what we're seeing today is some companies are purposefully working with startups, for example, in order to um, change their corporate culture. So get a different mindset, be a little bit more agile, start questioning things. Why are we doing it this way, et cetera? So um, that's one, one side of it. The other side of it, I do work with startups today and we have a... Um, um, we have a team, a group within SAP called SAP IO that that's the whole purpose of that organization is to work with startups for the benefit of our customers ultimately, but it also benefits the startups. We mentor them and sometimes invest in them, help them with technology integration and things like that. And it helps SAP. It brings back some new thoughts and ideas and these startups that we choose that are part of the program, they are working with next-gen type of technology, and so they teach us as a larger company, you know, what works, what we should be looking at, and, and things like that. And they're, for sure, more more agile just by the size of, uh, of the companies. So, and then being in New York, out of the New York office, we have a new mm-hmm. office in Hudson Yards there with a whole floor dedicated to startup community and next-gen, and uh, we host a lot of initiatives there. We invite not only customers there, but other developers and partners and um, other types of initiatives that help us um, make the world run better, <laughs> which is what our which is our vision. So, yeah, so I like that statement. Um, I believe startups infuse energy and the can-do attitude in the large companies when you really embrace them and, and start collaborating with them. Thank you, Camila. That was a, some very bold statements in there. Surendra, as one of our representatives from the startup side, why don't you comment back to Camila? Is this what you're discovering working as a startup with the world of mature companies? What do you think uh, from Quantiply's point of view? I think I have a mixed experience. In the last five years, we've been in the journey of Quantify. And I've gone through so much of teachable moments in my journey working mm-hmm. with big companies. You know, we created a program called Big Data Foundry while I was at Park before Quantiply got incubated there. An idea of the Big Data Foundry was to bring the, you know, collaboration platform open to everybody, you know, kind of open collaboration platform. Being part of the Xerox Park, which is the innovation hub, SAP, Hitachi, Cisco, joined me to create that lab. It took almost two years for us to put all ideas together, two years. That's a very long time, you know, at the Internet scale in the world of, you know, the whole globalization, right? It is not that, you know, the, the, these companies don't have processes. Sometimes, you know, it's, it has to start with the why. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. That message has to be communicated to everybody very consistently and clearly. Unless the purpose is clearly articulated, you know, it's very difficult to get the championship from these institutions because it involves their brand reputation. 
It involves changing out their business processes or the way they're doing things. And also they need to justify internally why they are doing it and what value it would create to them. And finally, they would ask the question, why can't we do by ourselves? Why we need to create this social fabric of collaborative platform so that everybody come in? Our idea was to, you know, data is going to fuel the next generation of innovation. So can we create a data foundry so everybody can bring their data and algorithms to one place and bring all the data scientists across the globe, we call citizen data scientists, so that they can create a new breed of applications to drive innovative, you know, disruptions around either call it SAP ecosystem or it could be a data ecosystem around Hitachi or the networking of the data and collaborators together using the fabric of Cisco, a very big vision, a very ambitious vision. Everybody bought into that, but it took quite a while for us to bring that to fruition. I learned a lot in that process, how to actually fine-tune the cogwheels to really make the you know wheels run faster. But I agree Thank with you. most of the thing what, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the... the, the other, you know, just uh, I heard from the panelists, but you know we need to see, you know, how actually startup can actually don't waste even a, you know, even a minute of their time to innovate. Right? We don't have luxury of resources, time, and uh, you know the the bandwidth to do things like big companies can do. Thank you. Interesting. Mark Haberland at Clariba, please join us. What are your thoughts? Yeah, just to continue on from Surendra now, you know, we're maybe not a startup, but uh, let's say a scale-up, so just, you know, two mm-hmm. steps uh, bigger. And, um, you know, I think the idea is great that, you know, large organizations uh, are innovating and, and should be innovating and and working with with, start, with startups. And, and, of course, you know, we see quite a bit, whether it's in Spain or we see it here in the Middle East, it's a big trend right now that... Uh, you know the large enterprises they create uh, startup incubators and and they invite uh, colleges and and universities the reality i think uh, is probably as surrender says it, it's it's not that straightforward it requires a lot of effort and and i think you know when you deal with larger organizations as we sometimes do and we work uh, with them in, in projects you know if you look at all the red tape uh, you know the the processes the internal processes the legal processes the the ip rules etc um, it, I could see that potentially it, it's also a challenge for startups to get lost in this big in uh, this big mountain, and, and, and unless there's a, uh, an innovation narrative that is very very strong and is lived every day, and there's a dedicated team that really focuses on ensuring that the startup also gets what they need and, and guides them through the process, it, it is a challenge, but uh, definitely it is a necessary one, and uh, and, and we'll probably see you know some some good results uh, from that from, from, from many companies, but I think a lot of them will also will also not uh, not really succeed. Interesting. As, a lot, as it sounds. a lot of things are not going to come to the front. Uh, Camila, great topic. Camila, when I was researching Deborah Lloyd, the chief creative officer until recently at Kate Spade, who was the source of your quote about travel sparking our imagination. I came up with two more quotes from her. I just want to share these with the panel, if that's okay with you, Camilla, because I think they're probably right on the mark of what we're talking about. So Deborah Lloyd said the following, the hat doesn't always fit, and you must recognize it and move on. That may be part of that decision process when you're trying to collaborate and seeing whether it really is worth plowing on, going through. The other quote is, you have to trust yourself as the guardian of a brand to have the right instinct. Camille, you want to quickly comment on those? I know I'm springing this on you, but I thought that was interesting. What do you think? 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, not all, for the first quote, not all partnerships are um, or give you what you want them to do, and it's important just to move on and not try to force something. So just because in this example, just because there is a startup and there is a mature company, that does not mean that they are great partners. There are lots of things that um, that have to work. And, and also to comment on the other panelists, what they're saying is absolutely true that you know, part of the reason to work with a startup as a mature company is for them to help us question our processes, not for us to take them through the ones we already have that are not intended for a small company and can actually drain them, you know, of a lot of time and resources and energy and all those things that we actually want from from those companies. So, yeah, so I, I agree with those quotes. And like I said in the beginning, I think a lot of the way the fashion and art industry view things was similar. We can relate to that on the technology side as well. Thank you very much. Guess what? It's 51 after. Oh, my goodness. Look how fast the time has flown. Since we didn't get to statements from Surendra, but you did add such wonderful content to the conversation, Surendra, from the startup point of view, I'm going to start with you for the crystal ball predictions round. Surendra, ready? So we'll start with you, then we'll go around to Mark Haberlin, and then we'll finish with Camila. I can give you each 90 seconds. I think we have enough time for that. So, Surendra, why don't you predict what will change, what will happen, will we call collaborative innovation? something different between now and 2025. Surendra, 90 seconds. Please give us your prediction. Go ahead. Yeah, collaboration is not going to be an option, Bonnie. You know, it's just going to be a must-have element in the, in, the, in the journey of digital transformation. So every organization will embrace collaboration part of their strategy, and it is going to be the core element of their innovation in the next 5, 10 years to take their current systems to the next level of intelligent enterprise. And I would say, you know, this is catalyst for their uh, transformation. Wow. Will not be an option. Okay. Do you think companies understand that, Surendra? Uh, you better understand are ready for the demise of the enterprise. You know, that's what is going to happen. If you don't understand, you're not going to be there anymore to even regret for that, right? You know, that's the speed at which the world is moving. And you can't create everything by yourself. You have to co-create. And there's no competition, actually. Competition is, 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 is actually going to see its own, uh, you know, demise. And what is going to emerge out of that is called co-creation. You know, we together, the partners, think of like Amazon today, how they are becoming so gigantic. You know, they don't want anything. They're just basically just collaborating with everybody across the ecosystem to create a humongous value for themselves. Think of WeWork. You know, they don't want any real estate. So they connect all this network of, you know, real estate properties to entice the, you know, tenants to use their facilities. There's new models are emerging. Think of Uber. These are the new models of co-creation and collaboration, right? New technologies connecting all this fabric of creators together to create huge value for everyone. One plus one, according to my binary math, is going to be 11, not two. That's what the collaboration delivers. Thank you very much. Those are very strong words, and that's exactly what we were looking for. Let's move around the table to Mark Haberlin to Clariba. Mark, what's your prediction, please? All right. Well, I've never been that good with predictions, because uh, otherwise <laughs> I'd be calling in from an island today. Um, but uh, one thing is clear. I think, uh, as Sir Andrew said, there's a lot of pressure on organizations. They have to change if they want to be successful tomorrow. So I predict, and at the same time, I hope right, that some of these changes will occur. And uh, one of them is 
that the education system will focus more on creating the capabilities that we require, right? More focus on soft skills, interaction, of course, collaboration, driving that entrepreneurial skill from, from, from early on. Second, I think, you know, employees in the workplace, um, we're going to have to find more creative ways uh, for, for employees to dedicate time to innovation projects or co-innovation projects. And, and that means that I think employees will also have to be able to and pro- will want to uh, be able to participate in creating new business models uh, or selecting uh, to work on specific ones. And then that means that the compensation for those employees will also have to change. And then lastly, I think there needs to be a better way uh, to innovate between companies. Um, I'm thinking of a concept of a virtual company. Uh, so joint ventures are very complex. Uh, it's very hard. You have a lot of red tape. You have, uh, you have to set up legal frameworks, etc. If you could have a virtual platform where multiple companies could come together, create a virtual company, and deliver uh, capabilities where uh, imp- employees can provide their inputs, uh, companies get their share of the revenue that has been generated as part of the new services that are provided, I think if these things can happen, then I'm sure we're going to be seeing some amazing diamonds in forms of uh, new business models. Thank you very much. We've got some serious predictions here today. Camila Dahlin, I have, oh, I've got the, just barely 60 seconds for you. Camila, please share your prediction. <laughs> okay, I'll be quick. So I think that in less than five years, collaboration will actually be how innovation is done. Um, I think companies will increasingly embrace ideas, both internally from different groups as well as externally. One of the, actually two of today's management trends, one is to um, support this and one is to flatten hierarchies. We're seeing more and more uh, reduction of, of hierarchies that have been built up and this kind of formality that has existed in companies. And also we're seeing it everywhere. Executives are encouraged to be more open and to be vulnerable, etc. And, you know, that comes with empathy and listening to others, etc. So I think that all those trends are just going to increase. And of course, on the technology side, cloud um, helps foster innovation and uh, the intelligence that's being built in collaboration tools also helps enable that. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, I appreciate that. I want to do a thank you all around the table to my three superb panelists. What great thought leadership, Mark Haverland at Clariba. Such a pleasure to meet you, Mark, and I hope you'll come back and share your thoughts with us again. Camila Dahlin, welcome back. It's been too long, and we we love your points of view, and thank you for the Deborah Lloyd quotes. Those were great, and I loved adding two more to that. Surrender Ready, the voice of startups, the voice of reason, the voice of how do you collaborate and do it well, and I love your prediction the demise of the enterprise. Listen up, everyone. We have three great minds here who have shared their thoughts. Again, a thank you to Erica Lelacar and April Caldwell at SAP for helping to put the show together. They worked so hard getting us everybody and all of the deliverables. And again, to Shannon Platts at SAP for sponsoring the series. And Aaron Keller at World Talk Radio, our engineer extraordinaire on the business channel. Thanks again for tuning in to Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.